Hi. Uh, I got your message just this morning. Um, I'm on the phone with Stacy, the director of content administration at National Public Radio. That's right. NPR, one of the biggest radio news organizations in the United States. It's kind of like the Jay-Z and Beyonce empire of radio. I applied to their Croc Fellowship a while ago, and for the past three and a half months, I hadn't heard anything. Until Stacy called. Side note, you're only going to hear my voice in this conversation because I was too nervous to record hers. But I really had nothing to be nervous about. She was delivering good news. Really? <laughs> Oh, wow. That's so exciting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad to hear from you, too. <laughs> All right, you too. Take care. Bye. Did you hear me? I'm a finalist. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Yeah, I know. They should give me a hug. That's yeah. Oh, isn't that exciting? Oh. You're listening to Millennial, a podcast series about what no one really teaches you, how to maneuver your 20s captured in real time. After months of applying to radio internships, fellowships, and jobs, I finally get my break. I am going to be going to National Public Radio in Washington, D.C. and competing against nine other people for three fellowship spots. The competition is going to be fierce, the stakes are going to be high, and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to present myself as the best candidate. I think it's appropriate to say, let the Hunger Games begin. I've actually never watched the Hunger Games. But I recently saw a clip with lots of kids and daggers and they were running after each other. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Okay, so maybe this is not the Hunger Games. What do you think about this skirt? Is it too loud for NPR? I think your face says yes. (laughs) Three weeks had passed and here I was. In the bedroom with Ben, the night before my departure to Washington, D.C., packing my bag trying to pick out the perfect outfit. I needed something nice, something that would make me look like I belonged at NPR. That's nice. Except for my see-through bra. What? You're like professional, but a little bit slutty. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) You are just commenting. You're not actually helping or being constructive. So the loud skirt and semi-see-through top were not coming with me to Washington, D.C. The next day, we left our apartment. Leaving our apartment? No one knows what awaits us. (laughs) Oh, there goes Adam. What a great guy. And we jumped into our car with our friend Adam, who volunteered to take us to the airport. Hey, Adam! When we got into the car with Adam, he asked me about our trip. So I told him everything I knew up until this point. I was going to be going to NPR for a two-day interview. The first day was going to be a group interview. And the second day, I was going to have a one-on-one interview with the fellowship committee. And I would have to pitch a story. Wow. Okay. Don't get nervous for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably going to be really laid back. 
you know? I, I hope so. Hopefully around a big round table and in a nice room with sunny light coming in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's you know, right. yeah, you, you want some cookies and some coffee. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. You don't think they're going to be there with like their eye glass, like their glasses, like look. Oh, on their tips of their nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like looking at you and then like looking down and then, and then being like, so I see you did this, 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 and this. And how do you think you could bring that to the show? And da 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 You know, like, I'm sure someone's going to grill you. Well, maybe you should. Somebody probably was going to grill me. But I didn't know when that would happen, and I didn't know how. So as stoked as I was to be a finalist, I was kind of constantly stressed out just thinking about that situation. Insert the flat metal fitting into the buckle until it clicks. To adjust, Luckily, pull the I was strap. in good company. To ben also decided to come with me for emotional support and to meet up with a couple people in the city. <laughs> Sorry, is this the Ben Severin show? <laughs> Welcome to Millennium Travel Edition. Oh my God. <laughs> as nervous as I was, Ben was pumped. And that enthusiasm definitely eased my mind and kept me sane. Flight attendants, please be seated for departure. Please remain seated with seatbelts fastened and welcome to D.C. When we got to D.C., we checked into our hotel room, and I immediately started preparing for my two-day interview. I sat down, opened up my computer, and stared at the screen. But I really had no idea how to prepare. Because, to be honest, I had never really prepared for an interview before. Like when I interviewed with my first radio internship, WNYC's Radio Lab, over the phone. Moments before, I just told myself, be the best Megan Tan that you can be. And that was it. And for whatever reason, it worked. But here, I don't think that little mantra alone was going to help. I couldn't just be the best Megan Tan I could be. I had to be more than that. I had to be the Megan Tan that the committee wanted me to be. Stacy had sent an email with a list of people who would be determining my fate, a.k.a. the Croc Fellowship Committee. I would be sitting in front of six very important people who worked all over the newsroom, so I started looking them up. Senior producers, editors, a vice president, and a director. Titles that give me reason to be nervous. It was really easy to think that my future all hinged on whether or not I could impress these people. In addition to this list, we are also given another one. The names of the people we are going to be competing against. When I saw this list attached to the email, I kind of didn't want to open it. I mean, what a way to freak someone out, right? Like, hey, here's a list of people who may be better than you. Why don't you Google their names and see for yourself? But after opening and closing that email a few times, getting up and getting a snack, and looking out the window, and then looking back at my laptop across the room, I couldn't stop myself. And sure enough, the resumes were pretty intimidating. People were flying in from all over the country. Some had graduated from journalism schools like Northwestern, Columbia, Berkeley, 
Others had spent time at CNN, ABC News, and NPR. As I lost myself in the internet, gushing over these people's impressive credentials, I started to feel that gross, gloomy, disgusting feeling that creeps up on me when I find myself lost in the infinity scroll. And I looked up, and I realized that I had just spent hours secretly wishing that parts of these other people's lives were my own. I hate that feeling. I hate that feeling of comparing myself to people I've never even met. It was the next day, day one, the group interview. Before I left, I put on a black shirt and a black skirt because black is safe, professional, classic. And I also put on some mascara, which I never wear, by the way. But I thought, maybe today it would help. And then I slipped on my lucky red shoes. As I approached the NPR building, it was pretty surreal. Outside the building is beautiful. It's modern, white, clean. It looks very progressive. And there are huge letters on the outside that read NPR, almost like the sign is saying, this is where the magic happens. And it was strange because I definitely felt like a common person walking into this castle that I had no business being in. But it kind of felt like this is where everything could change for me. This is where I could hang up my waitress apron, where I could find mentors, where I could learn from the best and become one of the best. But then I walked into the lobby and I started meeting all of the other finalists. Hi. What's your name? I'm Megan. Hi. Simone. You son? And I realized that I'm not the only one with this dream. Okay, how do I describe this to you? It felt like the first day of summer camp. Like no one here had ever experienced this before. And everyone was eager and nervous. And because of that, we were all kind of gravitating towards each other. And we all quickly wanted to become friends because we all wanted to bond over this anxious and unique experience. But then Stacy walked into the lobby. After she introduced herself, we followed her into a huge conference room with a round table and high back leather chairs. There, we all took a seat. She told us we were the 11th class of the Croc Fellows, and she had gone through hundreds of applications before she finally chose the 10 of us. She was sure that everyone at this table was qualified, but these are the facts. I remember her saying, three people will get a Croc Fellowship and basically spend a year working at NPR. And then out of those three people, one person We'll get a job here. Immediately, I could feel the tone in the room shift, and I thought, 
shit. I looked around. We weren't going to be making friendship bracelets, roasting marshmallows, or telling ghost stories. We were all here because we were fighting over three positions that could change our lives. We were competing against each other. We weren't even on the same team. After she said that, I almost expected her to say, and let the Hunger Games begin. As we were getting a grand tour of NPR, people were asking lots of questions, which triggered an unexpected competitive reaction in me. Like every single time someone spoke or asked something, a part of me was like, man, that's a really good question. She really knows what she's talking about. And then I would think, oh, like should I have said something? Was I not talking enough? Was I standing out? And when I didn't think things could get any more stressful, Stacy told us that we were going to be having dinner with the people who would be determining our fate, a.k.a. the Croc Fellowship Committee. So we were back in the lobby before dinner, and I'm sipping on some white wine, trying to calm my nerves down, when the committee members who I recognized from my internet stalking started to filter in. It felt like professional group speed dating, We would be in a clump of five with a mix of committee members and finalists, and they would ask us questions, and then people would start to jump in. And inside, I was telling myself, speak up, say something. Say something memorable or witty, but don't get too aggressive and don't dominate the conversation because I don't want to be that girl. I don't want to be that weird, annoying girl who feels like she has a lot to prove. But at the same time, I do want people to notice me. Like, what do you do in one of those situations? During dinner, there was a lot of that. This teeter-tottering back and forth between trying to attract attention while simultaneously appearing thoughtful and collective. This whole time, I felt like I was treading water. Luckily, the night was over. The Croc Fellowship Committee went one way, and all the finalists went the other. I don't know, I still feel like really anxious. Like, I'm like, oh. I feel the conversation was a little I was like, oh, I feel the same. I just feel like out of place, you know? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, I'm at this place where I'm like, you know what? Either they either want you or they don't, you know? And like, And it's okay if they... But this is what I don't understand. And this was just day one. Tomorrow was the big day. It would be the last chance for me to make an impression and to prove to the people at NPR that I was their best candidate. When I got back to the hotel room, it was dark. Ben wasn't there, and I was alone. And with less than 24 hours before my interview, I grabbed my recorder. Um, I found myself saying, I don't have any expectations, I don't know what's going to happen, I'm open for anything, but, like, that's a lie. (laughs) Like, deep down inside, I really, really want this. I was envisioning, you know, for a split second that I got an email saying that I, I got it, and... I was texting all my friends and just 
that idea just in that moment when I was thinking about it I was I like started to cry <laughs> because I was so overwhelmed with emotion <sighs> the next morning it was day two the day where the committee would interview me alone and would ask me to pitch a story it could be any story The only rules were I couldn't read it off a piece of paper and I had to deliver it in 30 seconds or less. After breakfast, I immediately started practicing. Tell me when you're ready. Three, two, one, go. In the last 150 years, for the last 150 years, every effort to create a sustainable population for Atlantic salmon in the United States has failed. Yeah, I, I get hung up a little bit. <clears throat> keep going. Let's keep, let's keep going. <laughs> right? For the last With Ben by my years, side, I pitched until I couldn't pitch anymore. Of in the Time ran out. And before I knew it, I had less than an hour to get ready and walk over. So I put on my gray pencil skirt, a black shirt, and a little bit more mascara. And I took a deep breath. All right, here we go. My heart is in my throat, but I think that's okay. As I approached the building a second time, I want to say that I felt calm, more sure of myself than ever. I want to say that I felt like I was supposed to be here, but I couldn't. A lot could happen in the next hour. Good. How are you? Are you Croc fellow. Yeah. Oh, Megan Chan. Stacy met me in the lobby again, but instead of being surrounded by all the other finalists, I was by myself. She took me upstairs and led me to a conference room where all the committee members who I had met the night before were sitting around an oval table. There was some coffee and cookies nearby, just like my friend Adam had predicted, but I wasn't offered any. When we walked into the conference room, each committee member had what looked like to be my resume and then a huge black binder. There was one space at the end of the table, and that's where I was supposed to sit. Stacy told me I only had 30 minutes to answer my questions and wrap up the interview. And I was in charge of how much time I took on each question. I nodded in agreement, like I was agreeing to follow some rules to a game. And by following them, I was hopefully going to be rewarded. When I sat down, I immediately scanned the room, looked everyone in the eye, and smiled but no one really smiled back. In this crowd, there were no Ben Severances, telling me it was going to be okay, or cracking jokes to ease the tension. And no one was here to tell you how proud they were, that you even made it this far. These people, they were here to take notes and make an objective decision, whether I was in or whether I was out, whether I was NPR-worthy or whether I was not. 
Luckily, I don't need a lot of people to initiate comforting smiles in order to feel like I'm at home. I can smile for the whole room if I have to. I guess that's what brunch taught me. To kill people with kindness, even when they look like they're not having a good time. And that's exactly what I tried to do. So with big eyes and a smile, I felt like I was saying, I'm here. This is me. Let the questions begin. One by one, each person started asking me a question. Questions like, why do you want to become a Croc Fellow? Why radio? Why NPR? And then they started going through my resume, like a checklist, and asking me harder questions. Like, now that you've met all the other candidates, what makes you different? Then they asked me to pitch my story, which I did, without stumbling and in less than 30 seconds. And afterwards, they didn't tear apart my pitch the way I had expected them to. So I thought, things were going pretty well. But then, one of the senior editors asked me a question that kind of threw me off guard. He said, So what are you following in the news? All of a sudden, my mind went blank. And I had to think. And when I started to hear the silence echo in the room, I realized I had taken too long. I listen to the news on NPR every morning. But I don't love the news. I love podcasts and feature stories. So I wasn't really following anything intensely, and I think they could tell. And that's when I grabbed the bullshit card and started throwing out broad headlines like, I'm following, you know, ISIS and the presidential campaign, the Northern Past, and... But I don't think it helped. Which is a problem. Because this fellowship requires that I work with the news closely, And if one of the committee members felt like I didn't like the news, well, then I was screwed. So I quickly smiled and tried to recover. But I felt like I was treading water harder than ever. But before I left, one person asked if there was anything that I wanted to add. This was my last chance. So I said, yes. I looked around the room And I basically said, radio is the thing that I consume the most. It moves me in a way that I've never been moved. And it makes me think about people months after I hear their voice. And because of that, I know that this is exactly what I want to do. And then my voice cracked. But I tried to push through it. I tried to conceal the emotion in my voice that lets other people know that this is something that I really do care about. I told them, I've already spent time trying other things. This is what I want to do. And I know that I am going to be in this industry. When I was done, I looked around the room and everyone was smiling. And as I left, I shook everyone's hands and I thanked them for this opportunity. I had hopefully convinced them to like me 
because I love radio. After the interview, I immediately met up with Ben. Oh, hey. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. It went well. It went really good. I thought it did. Yeah. I thought I, I thought I was like the most genuine. I was like excited. And I told him what happened. Before I left the NPR building, Stacy told me that in a week, I would know if I had been chosen or not. The people who would be chosen would get a phone call, and the people who didn't would get an email. For me, it was too hard to think that far into the future. I just wanted to soak up this moment where I was still floating on a cloud that I thought was intangible when I graduated college less than a year ago. Editing help to create this episode was provided by Alex Kappelman, Ben Severance, and Dylan Ward. Also, special thanks to Adam Chittenden, Ashley Norman, and Alex Aquisto. I'm Megan Tan, and thanks for listening. Now, back to the show. On the next episode of Millennial, after I tell all my friends what happened in D.C., and it just feels like Survivor all of a sudden. And I mean, to me, like, I can't tell you what other people were thinking, but I was like, but everybody looks really cool. Like, <laughs> why can't we all just get chosen? <laughs> you know? I received the news.